You're listening to the Small Business Talk podcast with Kathy Smith. Small Business Talk is a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Kathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years and helped hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals. Welcome to Small Business Talk, episode 170. Today we have two guests. So we have Adam and Jack. And our topic today is how to reduce business creep into your personal life. I guess the question is, do we have a personal life? So guys, where are you from? And why would you like to talk about that today? <laughs> hey, Kathy, I'm Adam Sonhalter. Uh, my partner, Jack Mancini, are both in the Cleveland, Ohio area. So we're about halfway around the world from you in Australia. So it's good talking to you. I appreciate you having us on here. Uh, We've been together almost 20 years, Jack and I, as business coaches. And we also have a podcast ourselves we've been doing for about six and a half years called Dirty Secrets of Small Business, where we help to kind of talk about these small business things. It's something that I've been around my entire life and something Jack discovered about 40 years ago, this whole small business world. And so we're excited about our topic tonight and today and talking about business versus personal. Your question was great. You know, do we have a personal life? (laughs) That's a great, that's a great question, Kathy. Certainly is. And Jack, did you want to introduce yourself as well? Certainly. My name is Jack Mancini. And as Adam said, we're partners in Maximum Value Partners, a business coaching company. And I had uh, my first 20 years of business life was with big corporations. I left the world of big business and got involved with small businesses probably 35 years ago. And I've owned and operated 16 small companies. One was a nonprofit, which we turned our product over to the Mayo Clinic. And we've had a lot of fun and a lot of success with the clients we've had over the years, hundreds of clients. And we put together a nice program that uh, makes that success possible because it's well organized. And if you master it, you're probably going to do pretty well as a small business owner. We love the field. We love everything that the small business person represents. And we just enjoy it and have a lot of fun with it. And we do make a buck or two. So that's good too. That's very important, isn't it? Because otherwise you don't have a business, you have a very expensive hobby. Let's talk about separating our personal life and making sure we have some personal life from our business life. That was hard two and a half years ago before this pandemic hit. And it's gotten even worse since then, where I think folks have, the lines have truly blurred between personal and business. And it's one of those things that I grew up with. Parents started a company. I was very young, about three years old. So it's always been kind of that mixture of kind of personal and business and stuff just kind of went together. You, know, you got 24 hours in the day and you kind of mix and match it a little bit from that standpoint. So I guess maybe one of the things that for people to think about here, Kathy, is not to feel guilty. You know, one of the things we see small business owners is they feel guilty a lot. We had a client years ago. He felt bad that he was going to the record store during the day because there was nobody there at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. And he was able to sneak out a couple hours, but he felt guilty about it. He said, why do you feel guilty about it? You're allowed to have personal interest and be able to kind of do some stuff. As long as you're getting the stuff done, you need to get done. If you want to do it at 10 o'clock at night or two o'clock in the morning, God bless you. But it's all just done by the time it's done. So I think part of it is trying to you know, give yourself permission to have a personal life, to be able to kind of do some personal things. I think that's a good place to start. Absolutely. I remember years ago taking my children to the cinema in the middle of the day on school holidays and thinking the whole world would stop because I turned my phone off for two hours. But of course it didn't. The kids had a great time. I had a great time. And yes, I did work till 10 o'clock that night. 
But that's how it is. And I guess drawing the line there is making sure that you're not working till 10 o'clock at night if you haven't taken some time off during the day. It's important to take time off, but it often becomes a theory. The practice is altogether different when you have something that has a deadline to it or some complexities which are going to create unanticipated problems. It's hard to take yourself out of that situation and just relax. Although as important as it is, people don't do it well, you got to teach yourself to do it. Such as early on when you're involved with small businesses especially, you basically are going to take a family vacation because you feel obligated. So you pack everyone in the car and you go to the beach and you're going to spend a great week there and you're looking for that switch to turn off business and you can't do it. You have to learn that. That's a learned thing and that thing is taking a vacation just to start with that. It kind of exemplifies what happens with the small business world. You know, you're on the phone or you're, you're studying something and your spouse is going to not give you the nudge, she'll give you a look and <laughs> you're, not, you're not vacationing properly, you're not doing it properly. <laughs> I think we've all had that look and how many of us have taken our laptops on vacation. So I think that's the thing is making sure that you have a proper holiday, you do switch off and that you do hand your responsibilities to somebody else so that you're not checking them all the time. So you're not actually being part of that holiday. Being on vacation or on holidays is one thing, but I guess to your point too, just the normal day-to-day stuff. And what do you do? I've been working virtually for a long time now. And uh, when I first started doing it, it was when I was still working in, in New York and I moved back to the Cleveland area and had an office set up. It was clearly defined, you know, in terms of, hey, you know, I would still go to an office again with technology. You got the computers and you know, this is when you know, laptops and cell phones were just kind of coming in, in in the late 90s, early 2000s. But now today, I mean, they're they're everywhere. And so to try to find a way to use it to your advantage, as opposed to it being slave to it, I guess to your point, I guess setting some of your own kind of boundaries, whatever those might be in terms of, and I would not necessarily say it's necessarily time of day. Like you, you gave a great example, Kathy, hey, you're taking your, your kids to be able to see a movie during the day. That's fine. It's because instead of going to see it at seven o'clock at night, you're seeing it two in the afternoon. It's okay, right? I mean, again, you still have those same kind of 24 hours from that standpoint. So I think trying to set some boundaries that if, if, you know, again, if you have family time that's set aside, find certain things you can kind of build around. You aren't going to move. It could be your exercise. It could be how much sleep you get. But set some of those boundaries in terms of here's what I'm going to make sure that I do either every day or every week to make sure you get some consistency and some rhythm. Otherwise, it's going to be really 24-7, as Jack was saying. It's hard to find that switch to turn it off. We've been looking for years to try to find it. We, we, haven't, we have yet to be able to find that switch to turn off your mind from, from just thinking about your business. And I think that's really important too, and making sure that you are switching it off so that you're getting sleep. Because that's, of course, another thing that where it creeps into is your busy mind is continually to be busy running to no ends. So at two o'clock in the morning, you're suddenly waking up with this massive great idea and maybe just write it down, don't action it then because you do actually need some sleep and that is part of your downtime as well. Oh, yes, very much so. You try different techniques to go to bed with a a head that's going to stay there all night, but it doesn't quite work that way. You wake up at two in the morning and things are spinning. All the solutions are there, untested. (laughs) Can't wait to get in and try them out, especially with sleep showing more and more importance of overall health. I get a solid six, eight hours if you can get that far. Yeah, it's a challenge especially for small businesses. They have the ability to contrast and big corporations, there's issues there, but nothing like a small business where you got a lot more variables and the stakes are usually a little higher. 
Absolutely. And I think it's really important to make sure that you are setting your own boundaries too. So that if a client happens to call you at a silly hour in the morning, evening or weekends, is that something you're going to take? Are you going to take that call? Is it an emergency? Is your business the type of business where you do have to answer that call? Or is it a case of you have an automated message or you might even send a manual text but you're not taking that call. What a few tactics and ideas have you got around setting boundaries like that? Oh, so you know, I think your point's well taken. You kind of decide and communicate to people, here's how you do things, right? So, you know, we often talk to clients about like email, for instance. Say, look, email, that's a kind of a 24-hour grace period. You know, we'll get back to you within 24 hours, usually sooner. But again, don't send me something urgent by email, whereas text or phone is, is when it's more urgent. And so, okay, now, your point comes down, what defines urgent? And Jack and I are big fans of talking about, well, look, short of the building literally being on fire, most things can wait 24 hours. Jack was saying at the outset, you know, he and I have been together 20 years doing this coaching thing. And our clients, we tell them that we're available 24-7. And Jack will always joke, well, hey, if you, have, if you need to call somebody at 2 a.m., make sure you call Adam instead of calling me because he's more likely to answer the phone. <laughs> that's, that's, that's probably true. It's amazing in 20 years of doing this, we've never had anybody abuse it because we talk about here are kind of those ground rules. If it's an emergency call, give me the call. I'm happy to kind of take it if I can, but I may not be able to take the call because I might be in the middle of something else, some other emergency from that standpoint. We don't get too many three o'clock calls in the morning. I think you've had a couple. You've had a couple. Some people just have to talk. They can't wait. And I guess it depends on your global timing as well. As we're recording this, it's 6 p.m. for you guys and 6 a.m. for me. So if you've got global clients, then you need to also be working out how you're going to manage that as well, because it might be a perfectly reasonable time for them to call, but not so reasonable for you. So do you then have some other ways that call can be taken? We have a lot of clients that are family businesses. And so maybe spouses, maybe siblings, kids. And for them, it's often very difficult because their family and their in business together. They can't come back to that switch. You know, where do you flip the switch off? When can we talk about or, or, or not talk about it? And I recall growing up with my parents, they were very good. My mom more so. She said, hey, it's family time. She could kind of cut stuff off. It doesn't wait till tomorrow morning. So she was very good about setting those boundaries. It doesn't mean that we didn't have dinner time discussions about business because we certainly did, but it wasn't every day from that standpoint. But again, it's having those discussions. That's part of it, I think, too, is you mentioned business creeping into your personal. You need to talk to folks in your personal life. So it could be your significant other or spouse or it could be your kids or it might be. Let them know what's kind of going on or let them know, hey, maybe there's something happening where Hey, there's a certain deal going on. I might get a phone call here. Just FYI. Just you know. So it's that communication is very key on both fronts, both with clients, but also with your family. Kind of let them know what the expectations are versus just crossing our fingers and hoping that something doesn't come in that shouldn't come in. An opportune time from that standpoint. And I guess it's also about yourself too. Is okay. You're at a family birthday party. It's a Sunday afternoon, and a client rings. Is that appropriate to take that call? So you've got to set that boundary for yourself as well. And, and like you say, there's never going to be an emergency by email. Phone calls can probably wait. If it's really important, they're going to text you multiple times. So you'll be able to see the importance. So maybe you should be spending the time with your family and being 100% present. I think that's <laughs> that should be the goal. That's for sure. Like all goals, they, they get compromised depending on the circumstances as you're moving forward. It takes, as as usual, for communication to be thoughtful and, you know, you're with, with the important people that should be talked to and we should all know the ground rules and talk it out if there's issues. And some people just were born to be at the office or at the factory 
24-7 almost. That's how they were born. They shouldn't have got married because <laughs> they can't pull out of it. <laughs> and I think sometimes well, we are our own worst enemies, aren't we? There's work to be done, so we think we should do it. But in reality, can that wait until tomorrow? Has anybody ever gotten all the work done at any point, Kathy? There's always seems to be something else that's there. It's, it's never quite all done, right? No, that rolling to-do list. So have right. you got any tips on how to deal with that rolling to-do list? The first step is to prioritize each day. So if you, if you get that down, to me, you feel good at least having that, that one top thing kind of accomplished or at least kind of moved along. So if you, if you can get that kind of focus down, that's always very, very helpful. Otherwise, you can be getting distracted by shiny objects all the time, right? The next day, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's neat. You know, and you get all excited, but you often maybe don't get quite as many things done. And so if you get that kind of focus, let's kind of make sure we get at least this one thing done each day. I think that that's a good way to kind of get momentum, get yourself pretty excited about it. The mindset's very key, though. I want to touch on that. We had a client years ago. It was a part of a family business. And she talked about how her days were. You know, it was like eight hours of work, eight hours of play, and eight hours of sleep. That was kind of her, that was her regiment. And then all of a sudden, they took over the business and said, it's very different now. Said, you know, I can't divide my days that way. Or it certainly isn't that to sync. Give yourself that permission again to, to kind of look at it as a 24-hour day. And you're in charge of your day. So you decide who you let in or don't let in. And you decide kind of what you want to get done that day. But, you know, a big part of this is just helping to empower people to kind of, again, take the reins for themselves and be in charge of it. I think that's very yeah. important is making sure that you do get that one thing done as early as possible so that it doesn't get to that supposedly hard stop and you still haven't got the highest priority for today done. If you do it early and you do as much as you can on that, then it's done so that when you are fighting fires and the phone rings and other things happen that you haven't scheduled, at least you've got your priority done. It's fun to be involved with your business. It can be so fulfilling if you're doing it well, doing it right. It makes you a better partner, not only in business, but with your family, with your friends. If you're miserable in a bad job that you don't like, if you're too confined, it's not good. And then achieving that balance is really the, the key, and you should continue to strive for it. There'll be nice periods in the business where everything's going well, and you got a little time, and you're thinking of yourself a little bit. Those are good times versus be strapped up against it with no end in sight and mistakes happening and et cetera, et cetera, with the unfavorable things that can happen as a business person. So very true. So what else do you think we should be watching out for to make sure that our business life is not completely overtaking our personal lives? It varies considerably. Like I was saying, it, you got to watch out if you're spending way too much time in the business and not giving yourself time to sort of step back and do the planning. That after all, is your prime job in terms of an org chart. You should be at the top of the organization. Ideally, the person who's running the company and has all the answers, right? <laughs> but it's getting to that point and acting out the role, if you will, carrying out the role of business owner and president, CEO, if you want to give yourself fancy titles. And it's important that you set the pace. I found myself to be kind of a big calendar guy and get a big scheduler guy. If it gets into my calendar, chances are it's going to get done. And so I learned years ago to take that same mentality, not just for the business side, but also for the personal side, to make sure I schedule stuff in, I schedule things in that are important to me. So again, my kids are always joke because my wife and I have a shared calendar and at 10 p.m. it says kiss spouse. And so <laughs> our kids always kind of laugh about that. So, okay, I said, look, these are key things that I, I, I go, as silly as that might sound, I forget to kiss your mom. Again, just it's there as a reminder. Like, hey, if it hasn't happened yet, okay, let's make sure that we, that we do that, right? So I think from that standpoint, if you find things that are working for you 
in one facet of your life, whether it be business or personal, it, that can work for the other facet as well. So for me, I know that's worked very, very well. And so scheduling things in there. So if you want to schedule time in with your kids or your friends, get it in the calendar and then hold it in there. Don't push it off or, or kind of push it aside or kind of delay it. Like you know, keep it in there and hold it like it's a client meeting or, or meeting with one of your key employees. Keep it there. And I, I think that to me, that is, I find that to be very helpful to help me kind of balance those things between getting my calendar to overfilled with things. And it really became apparent back in March of 2020 when all of our calendars they got just wiped out. But when COVID first started, like that was a blessing and you know, kind of, I guess, in disguise because since coming out of COVID, I think people had a chance to decide what do you want to put back on that calendar? Now, I think many of us have gotten to the point back where we're at that pre-pandemic level and we've gotten everything there and maybe folks on the outside are, are, are determining our calendar. But time out, stop again. Go back to, to March 2020 and recall where you were then. It's okay to reset like that. You know, we don't need a pandemic to reset. We can do that ourselves to be able to kind of recalibrate a little bit from that standpoint. And I think that's really important. And it's very interesting about how saying our calendars got reset. In my other business, my digital marketing business, I had a client that was working seven days a week. They are a vineyard and they thought that they needed to be open every day of the week. Well, of course, with COVID, they weren't allowed to be open. So now they've actually rescheduled when they're open. They're only actually, I think, open about four days a week now, and it's by appointment. So they don't have to be sitting there on any for a maybe. They've now scheduled their business around themselves, not around maybe somebody walking in. So it's really important that we do remember that we are in charge of our calendars. We do have that option to book that holiday in, take that day off, do whatever. And as long as you are communicating that, I don't think there's a problem. That's exactly right. The word communication is a very complex word if you ever look it up in the dictionary. It's vital to success and a good frame of mind. There's no question about it. You have to have a, a sense, you know, we're real big on having meetings. Meetings have gotten a very bad, bad reputation because they're run so, so badly throughout every organization. And there's, there's lack of discipline, lack of an agenda. Uh, nobody really in charge in so many meetings, and that's what dooms them. You spend a couple of hours listening to two people talk to each other where whoever's in charge of the meeting should not let that happen. This is going to be 15 minutes, and that's it, or 20 minutes, update everybody and, and be brief, learn how to be brief. And that's so important. And if you do get that, it's surprising what you can accomplish. And so much and peace of mind and getting along without stress, much better, all those things. And isn't it interesting how we expand into time? If we've only got 15 minutes to do something, generally we can make it happen. If we've got two <laughs> hours to do something, we'll take that whole two hours. We may not achieve anything more, but we'll expand into the time. <laughs> we have a lot of those discussions with many of our, our clients more in the in the trades or talk about per job pricing for people versus hourly pricing. Your point is, so, well, amazingly, what they get done in eight hours depends on the day. Some days we think we have two hours of the work that takes eight hours to do. Other days we feel like we've got 15 hours and yet it's still done in eight hours. It's like, it, it, it's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's a great, that's a great point, Kathy. And right. I like the idea of per job pricing. My husband was working for a tree lopping company and they had it set that once the job was done, it was a set price and they got a set amount. Once it was done, then it was done. As long as it was done safely and everybody was happy and the job had been done to spec. Some people were able to finish that job in three or four hours. Others took seven for exactly the same job. But if they knew that they could go home and the job was done and it was the same price, then they were far more efficient. <laughs> <laughs>
It's great to find some, some of your best people that way. We, we had a client for years that was in the auto body shop business. He would say that you know some of his people work in 120 hour weeks. Says, what do you mean? Says, well, no, that's what they're billing at because that's what the jobs are supposed to take. They're, they're still working 50, 60 hours, but it's 120 hours on paper because again, that's what, how long the job is supposed to take. It's okay. Their best folks are, you know, your point are, are doing very, very well and, and good people will say, Hey, that's fine. That's what it's worth to you. Happy to kind of step up. Don't count my hours. Let me come deliver that value and get it done. And it's like going to an attorney who's been around for 30 years who charges you 500 bucks an hour versus a, the new paralegal who's maybe a year out of school and may only charge you 150 an hour, right? Okay. Well, will the 30 year veteran get me to the answer a lot quicker, you know, maybe even save me some money or certainly know that it's the right answer. Who knows? Right. So it's a matter of, yeah, defining what that value is going to be. How you want to look at it from that standpoint? Yes, absolutely. One of my favorite sayings is it's always about value, not about price. So it doesn't matter what the price is. If you're getting the value, you're going to be happy to pay, whether it is the $500 an hour and you only pay for 15 minutes or whether it's $150 an hour and you pay for five hours, it's the value that is the important bit. All right. Absolutely. All right. Fantastic. As you can all see, we're very passionate about business and we can talk about this forever. Is there anything (laughs) that we haven't talked about that you think would be really important to make sure that the business life doesn't overtake the personal life? One of the things that I found to be very helpful, I know it has been for a lot of folks as well, and I think a lot of people have looked at it here in the last couple of years, especially if you can find a place in your your home or your apartment that that's kind of your business, whether it be your office or your home office, but where you can put that stuff to physically have a place where you can kind of close the door on it. I think that's tremendously helpful. I think a lot of folks have their laptops up on their kitchen table, or dining room table, and it's always there. I think that creates even more stress. Just you know, it's like having that dirty room. If I can close the door in the dirty room, I'm not thinking about it so much. The door's got to close, you know. So I think that I think that's key too. If you can find that kind of dedicated space in your your house or your apartment, that's key as well to kind of separate those two. It just helps to mentally have that separation and having the physical space separated like that as well. Perfect. And another thing that I've heard said a lot is have a hard stop. So whether it's a case of you walk out of that room and close it, whether it's a case of you actually physically go for a walk at the end of your inverted commas day, but have something that you've got as a routine to know that work is finished and now it's private time. I'm laughing because I have two pugs and my pugs know when it's about 5, 5.30, they start getting antsy. They're, they're quiet all day, my office for the most part. But once it gets to that time of day, they, they, they know somehow, right? It's amazing. So I'm like, it, it's hard to ignore them. So if you aren't able to set your own hard stop, you know, get some dogs or kids that, you know, they're very good at that, at setting hard stops for you. <laughs> Absolutely. They say dogs can't tell time, but I'm definitely a testament that mine too can tell time. He knows when it's, I can't even say that, the walk word, because he's right. sitting on the floor here. W you word, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> That's right. Fantastic. Okay. If people have liked this episode and would like to know more about you, where can they find you? Start with you, Adam. Sure. Well, they can look at us on our, our website for Maximum Value Partner, which is MaximumVP.com or the, the podcast you mentioned, which is Dirty Secrets of Small Business. So you can look at DirtySecretsOfSmallBusiness.com or whatever your favorite podcast player is. You can go search for that and subscribe to it. Fantastic. And Jack? I'm in the same place he is. So perfect. <laughs> it works. Okay. Lovely. And now it's time for five questions. So I might ask them alternately. So maybe if we start with you, Jack. What's the best advice you've been given by a mentor? To plan and treat people well. Be planners. Understand the numbers, you know, the the financial accounting, the balance sheet, profit and loss. That that is critical to the success of any business. And that's something that we drum into our clients. If you don't know your numbers, you really don't know your business. And it's surprising how many people don't. 
You're in the business, after all, to make profits and understand that profits have gotten a pretty bad rap uh, over the last several decades. That's because people don't understand them. And the people part was the better mentors that I had that focused on that quite a bit. But you're going to be only as successful as your people are. Very, very true. And the more money you have, the more good you can do with it. So you shouldn't be that, worrying about making a profit because if you're not making a profit, you have a very expensive hobby. <laughs> that's, that is correct. That is correct. Okay, to you, Adam. What is the biggest help you have received since starting your business? <laughs> well, for me, it's been partnering with this guy for almost 20 years. You know, to be side by side for, 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 with him for 20 years, almost every day has been just fantastic. Um, just to be able to kind of learn from that standpoint. You know, that came after eight years on Wall Street as an investment banker, where I put 120 hour weeks in, real 120 hour weeks. I'm like the, the auto body guys. That was a great school of thought. But, you know, spending time with Jack every day last 20 years is focused, let's say. Fantastic. And back to you, Jack. What is the one thing that you have to do every day, your non negotiable? I don't have a routine like that that I have to do every day other than brush my teeth. I do that every day. That's a good one, Jack. Even this crazy world, it's good to, good to brush your it, teeth. It depends on the day and the task at hand. I do exercises. I try to work out three days a week at least minimum. So that's pretty strong. It's fulfilling the schedule as efficient as possible, talking like a pure business person. Very good. And strangely enough, we've had brush your teeth before. So it's definitely <laughs> a high thing that we all need to make sure we do. And sometimes people say you should do it twice a day. So I'll leave that one well, up to that's you. that's true. <laughs> okay, Adam, what is your favorite business book and why? I'd say probably Good to Great by Jim Collins. There's just a lot of very good relatable stories in there. And one of the ones that we've used for years, which, which I think our clients always find helpful as it relates to people, come back to the people side of stuff. And he quotes a saying in there that if somebody comes in and this is you as the owner, how do you react to somebody coming in and giving you their two weeks notice, right? So are you secretly relieved that the person's leaving or are you distraught? And you know, we've often used that very simple question for folks when they're having that kind of discussion because a lot of times with, with our clients, if you know, when they come talk to us every week, they're often talking about people and they often don't realize that they're talking negatively about a certain person or a certain people. It's like, hey, you realize in the last three months, you've, you've said nothing but bad things about so-and-so, right? It's like, oh, I have. Okay, wait. So <laughs> tell us why, you know, again, we watch that question. Usually they say, oh yeah, I, I, I'd be relieved. So, okay, well, helps to kind of do that. So there, there are a lot of very good, very usable points in that book. And, we, and we, we've quoted a lot in the last, last 18 or 20 years since we've, we've read it. Fantastic. And the last question to you, Jack, what do you wish you had known when you first started out? Well, I started out with small businesses. I was very confident that I could do well with buying them and turning them around. A lot of these were difficult companies. They were in trouble. and I had confidence that I could do that with no problem. Well, not with no problem, but well-equipped to do that. Had I known the, let's say, similarity between small businesses and big businesses, it boiled down to all business requires certain things to be done. Had I known that sooner, I would have been, I think, more successful sooner. It took a while to have that light go on. Some things you learn faster than others. But that, to be a planner, that's what I asked before, and to know your numbers as quickly as you can possibly put those in place, you should have them in place. That's what I was taught. Taking months and months to do something that now would only take weeks. And that experience, if I could bottle that experience and get it sooner, that's what I would like. But I can't do that. Oh, well, you never know in the future. We seem to be able to do a lot of things that we once thought were impossible. So never know. Maybe that's going to be your magic bullet to send out to the world. 
It could very well be. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for your time. And Small Business Talk is finished for today. So, SBT audience, enjoy your journey. Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads for all the show notes and links to this episode. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode, take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action. And SBT community, enjoy your journey.